I'm Donald Wayne, and this is Trice Talk Mini Pod for March the 2nd, 2021. Yep, we're into March. We're headed towards spring and summer in Atlanta, Georgia. Boy, we're looking forward to that heat and humidity. Well, it's a little after one o'clock in the morning here in Atlanta, Georgia. And and these mini pods will normally be in the wee hours of the morning, more or less. But uh, I appreciate you joining me for another episode of mini pod. Um, as I said, I'm Donald Wayne and I'm the older uh, half of the uh, uh, of the uh, hosting team of Trice Talk uh, that you hear uh, four days a week on Podbeam at uh, 11 p.m. And that's on Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And um, mini pod is just something that I do more or less solo just to kind of do some short articles normally that uh, I just don't have an opportunity to do or they may not fit the format that we do on the longer version of Trice Talk during the week. So um, that that is what you'll find here on Minipod. Um, normally, I try to make them 15, 20 minutes long, but if you've listened to the last two that I've done, uh, they ran a little bit longer than I, I uh, intended but that's because of the subject matter. And then, of course, I had to offer some opinions on some of the stuff that I was talking about. So um, I apologize for them being a little bit longer than expected. But generally, they're going to be anywhere from 15 to 20, maybe 30 minutes at, at the uh, extreme end. So tonight, um, I've got a couple of things that I want to talk about. And if you look at the heading up there, it says, then I'm going to talk about academics call breastfeeding ethically problematic. So that's one of the topics. It's a short one. And the second topic is uh, President, uh, former President, I should say, Barack Obama is saying that reparations are justified. And this is just recently. So those are the two things that I'm going to be talking about tonight. 
So I'm going to do the second one first, and that is uh, former President Obama says reparations are justified. Now, I found this article. Uh, it's a very short article on leotorell.com. Uh, it's by the team Terrell. So I guess that means that Leo himself didn't actually write it. And if you listen to um, Trice Talk, the, the longer version with myself and Dennis Lee and uh, Eric Kirk is also part of the hosting team on, on Trice Talk. But uh, I've talked about Leo Terrell a number of times. I've referenced him for a number of things. And the interesting thing about Leo Terrell for me is uh, several years ago, when Donald Trump first uh, became president, uh, you know, 2017, I can't remember exactly when the transition happened for Leo, but I know in the very beginning, every time Leo Terrell was on Sean Hannity, he was everything he said was negative. He would get in arguments. Um, especially with Dan Bongino, <laughs> sometimes they would get rather heated on the air, but we never know whether those things are staged anyway. When, of course, uh, Dan Bongino also argues a lot with um, uh, Geraldo Rivera. But anyway, Leo Trail used to be very anti-Trump, anti-Republican, and he just didn't have anything nice to say. Somewhere, maybe it was after 2018, somewhere in 2018 or maybe 2019, uh, Leo Terrell, uh, he must have had an awakening or something because he started, uh, I started, I noticed on, on Sean Hannity one night that he was talking nice things about Donald Trump. And then it was probably before uh, 2020 rolled around that Leo was actually in Donald Trump's corner and was bad mouthing Democrat. And I'm just giving you all this. Background to let you know why I use, I like to look at the Leo Terrell site. Uh, but Leo Terrell said, you know, his reason for coming around to, Donald Trump supporting Donald Trump was because of the things that Donald Trump did for the black community and the Hispanic community. Um, and, and, and as far as the economy is concerned and, and all the growth and the positive things that Leo Terrell saw happen in those communities, uh, that could be attributed to the things that Donald Trump did. So, um, I, you, I I look at his site quite a bit and pull up uh, probably a lot of these articles that I'll use for Minipod. I'll get them from his site. But uh, that's the reason I use it a lot, and that's the reason I, I, I say his name a lot. I mean, there was a time that I, I could hardly stand to listen to him uh, because he was so negative. But it's, it's kind of neat for me to see somebody like that, uh, you know, see the light and see the difference between how he used to feel about Democrats, which he was a staunch Democrat. In fact, he was a civil, he's, uh, I believe he calls himself a civil rights lawyer. And of course he's black, but he, uh, just, you know, he's, he said, uh, I'm, he sees all of the bad things 
that the Democrats have done and not done over the years with the things that they've told people they were going to do. So his whole outlook on, on the on uh, Democrat party has changed drastically. And he calls himself a Republican now. And uh, he's still, even after some of the negative things that happened towards the end of the campaign and so forth. And even with the questions about, validity of, of some of the voting at, at the presidential election last November, Leo Trail is still in Donald Trump's corner to this day. Now, I'm not, I don't use him just because he supports Donald Trump, but mainly because he, he changed sides because he opened his eyes and saw the things that were happening and the big differences between the things that Donald Trump wanted to do and Many conservatives, not all conservatives, not all Republicans, especially. But um, so anyway, long story short, that's that's why I pick on Leo Trail a lot. So this article goes on to say that former President Obama says reparations for descendants of slaves are justified, but talk is cheap. Many are asking where was that sentiment when he was you know, the president of the United States and the leader of the free world. Now, this is Team Terrell asking that question about Barack Obama. And then they go on to say his explanation is rather shocking as to why he did not do more in that regards when he was president. Some of you may know that Obama now has a podcast with music le- Legend Bruce Springsteen uh, is called Renegades Born in the USA. Boy, there's an original title. But that the, the two of them, uh, they discussed this topic on their show. And, of course, when I first heard it, or I saw that Barack Obama was having a, or going to do a podcast with Bruce Springsteen, I'm like, number one, why is Barack Obama doing it? And number two, why is Bruce Springsteen doing it with Barack Obama? Or why are they doing it with each other? I mean, what a pair of odd fellows. Now I know Bruce Springsteen has historically been a staunch Democrat and supporter of, of all Democrats, and especially when Barack Obama was president. And he hates um, Donald Trump's guts. So I guess for that reason, maybe they're good bedfellows. I don't know. But anyway, on their podcast, they discussed this topic of reparations and Barack Obama went on to say, so if you ask me theoretically, are reparations justified? The answer is yes. There's not much question that the wealth of this country, the power of this country was built in significant part, not exclusively, maybe not even the majority of it, but a large portion of it was built on the backs of slaves, stated Obama. As is typical with uh, Barack Obama, he had a smooth answer, satisfactorily pleasing to liberals as to why he did nothing about it during his eight years in office. He goes, Barack Obama goes on to say, what I saw during my presidency was the politics of white resistance and resentment. 
the talk of welfare queens and the talk of the undeserving poor and the backlash against affirmative action, he said. Obama continued, all that made the prospect of actually proposing any kind of coherent, meaningful reparation program struck me as politically not only a non-starter, but potentially counterproductive. Pretty typical for the left to use race and cry racism as justification for one's own inaction. Nonetheless, Democrats and Obama fans surely have no qualms with his excuses. As for the current Biden administration's position, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki told reporters earlier this month that Biden supports as uh, Biden supports a study of reparations. No telling how much money they spend on that. She added that he continues to demonstrate his commitment to take comprehensive action to address the systemic racism that persists today. And that was pretty much the article um, in leotrail.com. Uh, I did see another gentleman, and I, I apologize, I did not get his name today, but I, uh, he was asked a similar question about reparations. Um, and I, I believe he's someone that's in, in Biden's administration or he's some kind of an advisor to the administration, but he definitely says there, he does not support a study. He said, there's nothing to study. Basically, we just need to do it. Uh, it's owed. It should happen. And people just need to get over it and do it. Um, and I'll try to find his name. Uh, so the next time that I talk about that, I'll uh, be able to reference his comments, but this was just today. And, and again, I, I know he's somebody either in an uh, advisory capacity or somebody in the administration itself. So he's pushing, you know, to go ahead and, and, and make reparations happen now. Uh, and I forgot what the price tag on that was too, but it was very high. Now, you know, this, this subject of reparations has actually been talked about a number of times, I believe even before Barack Obama became president, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was talked about, uh, you know, during the Bill Clinton years as well, maybe not as strongly, maybe not as, as, as often, but I, I swear that I've heard this, uh, heard this subject back during uh, the Bill Clinton administration. So, you know, there's a lot of arguments for it. Um, all the people that are pro uh, reparations and then the arguments against it are uh, as, just about as strong. But, of course, any argument against it is always blamed on people being racist. So um, it'll be interesting to see if this makes any progress you know, under Biden's, uh, leadership, um, as president. Now, interesting thought though, is, and, and this is a subject for another mini pod. If Joe Biden doesn't make it through his four years, if for health reasons or whatever, 
they push him out, which a lot of people still are saying that, you know, if you noticed, and just a sidebar, if you notice, they talk about him more now in a negative light, not, not strongly, but there's just like little hints of displeasure with, with Biden's performance. But back to the main point, if something happens with Biden and, and he leaves the office, I wonder how much traction this reparations things would get with Kamala Harris as president. And maybe that's the goal. So um, that's something that we need to watch because I think that's something that's going to be pushed rather heavily, um, at least as much as possible. I mean, of all the things that they've been doing just in the last 30 days, give us every indication that they're going to try to get as much. They're going to try to milk whatever time that they have, uh, you know, in the majority as much as they can. And this reparations issue is something that is very popular with a lot of uh, black Americans. And, um, but then there's also, if you'll pay attention there's an awful lot of high-profile Black Americans that are also uh, talking it down, saying that it's not right and it's not something that this country needs to do. So you know, um, we'll we'll just see if it gets any traction either under Joe Biden or if Kamala Harris uh, takes the throne before the four years are up. All right, the second subject on the agenda tonight, and this one, I know it's kind of a weird thing for me to, to address, but I'm so sick of this cancel culture stuff uh, that's gone on. You know, they pissed me off several years ago when they tried to cancel Christmas, when they tried to, and I know I've said this before, so bear with me. When, when they said, you know, you can't say Merry Christmas anymore because you're going to offend some people. Well, and then I said, well, if you're out shopping at Christmas and you're buying Christmas presents in a store where the majority of the people there are buying Christmas presents, then... I'm going to say Merry Christmas if I want to. And we have a right to listen to Christmas music if we want to. Doesn't mean you have to like it. Doesn't mean that you have to support it. Um, but it shouldn't be offensive to you. Why should Christmas music be offensive to people? Other than the fact that one year they started playing it in, in uh, October. And I think a lot of people got tired of it way before Christmas came around. But generally, why would it be offensive to most people? So I feel the same way about all of these, these words that they're trying to change, these things, the, the language that they're trying to change in our society. And I don't have a problem with people wanting to use certain words in certain situations, you know, um, depending on who, who you're in a conversation with, I don't have a problem with that, 
But what I have a problem with is, is for us to have to change our language completely, regardless who we're talking to, just on, on the chance that, you know, we might offend somebody or that we need to get used to eliminating any kind of gender reference in our society. And, you know, excuse me, but kiss my butt, you know. I wouldn't intentionally ever try to say anything to offend anybody. But then when I read stories like this, it's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Why would it be offensive um, for people to say breast milk? But anyway, this is a story that comes out. Um, uh, I think that it was on the... Um, Oh, this one. Oh, excuse me. I, I was going to try to take it off the Mike Huckabee site, but I think I ended up having to get this one off of, um, I believe it's from CNN. It's, it's a short article as well. But anyway, the story, the headline is UK nurses ask not to say breast milk so that they can be inclusive of transgender parents. They have been asked to say chest milk instead of breast milk. Okay. So the article goes on to say the UK health officials ordered nurses at two hospitals to substitute the term breast milk. Oh, this one says for human milk, but it also says somewhere in here about chest milk. So now they don't want you to say breast milk. They want you to say human milk part of the first of its kind effort to be more inclusive to trans and non-binary parents. The terms breastfeeding and breast milk should be swapped for more gender inclusive phrases in prenatal units of Brighton and Sussex University hospitals. The healthcare center said in a 19 page document cited by Sky News on Wednesday, Instead, health professionals were advised to use the phrases breast chest milk from the feeding mothers or parents and human milk to be more inclusive of trans and non-binary birthing people without ex excluding the language of women or, or motherhood, the guideline stated. The hospital system announced the new language advisory Monday. Today, we are launching the UK's first clinical and language guidelines supporting trans and non-binary birthing people. The hospital, hospital system, oh, they tweeted this, this stuff. We are proud to care for trans and non-binary people. Nurses were also urged to avoid the terms mothers and women on their own unless called for in specific cases. They were instead asked to use gender neutral terms such as parents and people, according to the hospital system. So I guess if, if there's two nurses standing at the nurse's station and they're talking about breastfeeding or a mother breastfeeding, but they're not talking to that woman specifically who is the mother, then they should use the terms um, uh, birthing people. <laughs> I don't, and, and, and 
and chest milk. Um, so they're, they're being told not to use the terms mothers and women unless they're talking directly to a woman who is also a mother. Um, so they do not, you know, I, I guess, um, offend someone that might overhear their conversation. They were asked instead to use gender neutral terms such as parents and people. As midwives and birth workers, we focus on improving access and health outcomes for marginalized and disadvantaged groups. The hospital system said in a statement, we are consciously using the words women and people together to make it clear that we are committed to working on addressing health inequalities for all those who use our services. But the changes do not apply when discussing or caring for individuals in a one-on-one -on -one capacity where language and documentation should reflect the gender identity of the individual the hospital system said. On this website, the hospital system adds, we acknowledge the additional challenges that gender identity can have on pregnancy and birth and infant feeding and recognize the importance of providing inclusive, respectful care to pregnant people and their families. Okay. Well, if... <laughs> Maybe they need to consider, if you've ever watched the uh, second um, um, Meet the Parents film, uh, I, I guess, Meet the Fockers, uh, any of you who saw that, um, the dad uh, actually had a man boob that he could use to feed his grandson, and, and he, he would... Um, he would feed the, the uh, I think it was his grandson. Yeah, I believe it was the grandson. Anyway, he would use the man boob and it had a, you know, a bottle attached to it and a nipple uh, so that a man could feed the child. And uh, the child did not just, you know, could accept a man feeding, feeding him as, uh, and not just a, the mother or the woman. So, that was uh, that was kind of interesting uh, part of that movie, and, and of course, uh, the guy's wife came in and um, caught him with the man boob, and she thought that was kind of strange. But I don't know. Uh, you know, breast milk is breast milk, but to to have to call it chest milk for somebody, or or to say human milk, human milk, as opposed to getting it from a cow or a wolf. Or a dog. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't have a problem. Again, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of this. I don't have a problem with them changing the terminology if you're dealing with someone who is transgender and they, you know, you obviously, um, unless they want to be called a mother, you wouldn't call them a mother, I guess. I'm not quite sure how that would go, but to have to change all of this terminology. So you, um, I mean, good heavens, I, I'd hate to be, uh, a nurse <laughs> in this day and time or, or anybody in the medical profession that, uh, you have to be so careful on how you refer to people now. And of course, you know, 
I guess if it's, you know, sensitivity training and I don't have a problem with it when, when you, when you, um, dealing with specific people, but to have to change the whole language. So two nurses can't stand and talk to each other outside away from the patient and refer to that person as a woman or refer to it as breastfeeding or whatever. That's the issues that, um, makes me scratch my head folks. I don't, I don't know. It's just, uh, we're, we're, I just, not quite sure where it's going to stop. I mean, we we don't want. We're we're trying to eliminate sex, uh, the differences in sex completely from society. I'm not sure where we're going with this. Um, I know if you look at some futuristic movies, they talk about well, you know, everything's unisex, and you don't know, you know, people don't you don't identify by one sex or the other, but. Um, I don't know. I, I guess that's a good thing. I mean, I'm, I'm an old guy and um, probably when those issues continue to that point where there is no difference in the sexes, as far as being in the public eye is concerned, it won't be anything that I have to be worried about. So, um, so that's, that's pretty much it. That's my two little uh, soapbox things for tonight. And um I appreciate you listening uh, tomorrow. Well, actually, no, it's Tuesday. <laughs> Sorry about that. I uh, hope you'll listen to myself, Dennis Lee, and Eric Kirk tonight on Trice Talk Live at 11 p.m., uh, where we will be getting into some more juicy political issues from um, – We'll probably be talking about CPAC a little bit more than we did on uh, Sunday's episode, just because uh, we got some more information now than we did on Sunday. Um, and there's several other things uh, that we're going to uh, spend some time on tonight. So I hope everybody will come back and join us for that um, live session of Trice Talk. So for now, I'm going to just ease out of here with the same music I started with and Hope everybody has a good Tuesday and stay safe, everybody. <laughs>